first and then we'll, we'll dive into the word just so there's no interruption. Uh, for those of you who are joining us today for the very first time, we'd like to welcome you again. My name's Jay Duncan and boy, it's just an honor and a privilege to, to lead Antioch Church in the capacity of senior pastor. And we welcome you here to this spiritual family and wherever you are in your journey in God. Hey, Shays, how are you guys? How are you? Man, it's good to have you here with us. They're, they're, they're like visitors, but family. Pastor David and his wife are pastors within our KMUSA network up in Pennsylvania. It's great to have you here, man. If, I, if I'd have known you were here, you would have preached this message. We're preaching on Sabbath today, man. <laughs> I could have taken a Sabbath. Uh, but if you are here today with us for the first time, uh, we, we know that God has a place for you in this city. And if it is here in this house, we make the choice to open wide our arms to you. And if it is not here, if it is not this spiritual family, we are praying for you. Because we know that it is a journey to find that people that God has called you to and called you to be planted in. And so we want you to know that we are with you and we are for you in that process. And if there's any way that we can help you answer some of the questions that you may have, uh, or even have some dialogue about the things that we particularly believe and who God has called us to be, we're, we're happy to do that. I myself am happy to do that with you. So we welcome you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, we are actually in a, a very unique and a very fun season uh, of who we are as a people. Because next week, Jonathan alluded to this, uh, we are going to be taking a Sabbath month. And I'll be explaining that more from the scriptures. We've been talking about this scripturally the past couple of weeks. But just functionally and logistically, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, next week, we're going to be having our service in the park. But the last four Sundays in July, we are still going to be gathering. And, you know, one of the questions that we asked ourselves as a staff, I think it's an honest question. I think it's a question that probably some of us might be asking. Well, geez, if we're just going to shorten our services and... and uh, if I'm, if I'm called to, to minister and, and I don't have to show up, what's, what's the point of even coming? It's a, it's a fair question. It's an honest question. And, and I'm, going to use, I'm going to use the God card here. Uh, because God has called us. Because it is the Holy Spirit who gathers us together. Uh, I think in Western, individualized, independent Christianity, somehow subversively we've bought into the idea that it's actually our choice. That, that everything that happens in our lives is, is really our choice. And, and it's true. There, there is an element of choice that we exercise. But I think what supersedes that choice is the understanding that God has invited us to gather. He has called us. The, the church literally means the called out ones. And so it, it, it is as if God on a regular basis is saying, I, I want you to come before me as an assembly. Present yourselves as the entirety of the family. And as Bonnie mentioned earlier, when we come together to worship, when we come together to pray, when we come together to sing, to announce and to declare who God is, when we come together to sit under the preaching and the proclamation and the teaching of the word that forms us and shapes us over the long arc of life, we are being formed as a people into the image of God. 
And so, yes, we are individuals, and yes, we have our choices, but we are individuals who've been called into spiritual family, and God himself is convening this gathering. And so, why, why should we come? Well, very simply because the Holy Spirit is, is bidding us come, and he's gathering us together to form our identity corporately as a people. And so, I, I say that, but I also want to say this. Man, in July, there's going to be a weekend when Christy and I uh, are not going to be here. Typically, July is a month where we're able to pull away as a family and able to spend some extended time as a family being recreated, renewed, and restored. We're going to, we're going to take one of those Sundays off. And, um, and so, hey, if you're out of town, we want you to know always there's life and there is liberty, and there's freedom, and there's joy in that, and we celebrate that. Man, go. Go to the mountains. Go to the beach. Go wherever it is that God calls you to go, and do it with freedom and with life and joy. But I also want to make this appeal. If you're here in the city, come and be gathered with us. Come. There, there is a temptation, I recognize, to just say, well, we're going to have church at home. Uh, well, that's not the church. Uh, <laughs> you're a part of the church. But come and gather with us. We encourage that in the month of July. Our services are going to look very unique in the sense that they're going to be much, much shorter. We're going to, we're going to move from a two-hour service to a one-hour service. And a lot of the things that we are accustomed to in terms of a lot of the ministry, auxiliary ministry functions that take place, um, we're not going to have those. And here's why. Three reasons. Number one, our objective in the month of July is to be restored in our life in God as a people. That is our focus. God, restore us in our life in you. Renew us in our life in you. Number two, our focus is to be renewed in our life with one another. To be renewed in our life with one another. My prayer and my hope is that that space that we have carved out, because for those of you who are in ministry crew, our pre-morning meeting that takes place at 9.15, we're not having that in the month of July. If you want to come early, if you want to bring donuts for Pastor Jade and, and others, Hertz Donuts in particular, I, I'll be right out there in that space that we, are, we have now available. Uh, hey, listen, afterwards, after service, we're going to be ending at 11. And, and I just think this would be a right and appropriate and good rhythm for us. Look around. Man, when we have our commissioning benediction or when we have our guest connection, how awesome would it be if we engaged with the Holy Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, what, what one person or what one couple or what one family would you have me and my family to connect with this week. And maybe you don't have the margin to do that on a weekly basis. Maybe you would say, what one family, individual, or couple would you have us to connect with this month? And then just be the body and go and invite someone to coffee or donuts or lunch or your house and enjoy life and fellowship around the table. We encourage you guys to do that. The strength of a church rests on the decentralized movement and activity of the Holy Spirit operating amongst all of us in 
and through and amongst us. If everything rests and, 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 and is determined or dependent upon what we organize or what we schedule, man, we're in trouble. We're just, we're just in trouble. And it's, and it's, it's going to lack an authenticity and an ownership and a depth that only comes from when we own the call to be the church. So we're not going to have greeters. Be the greeters. Be the greeters. And, and this is to all of us. Antioch Church, be the greeters. Okay? Um, our offering is, is going to look a little different. We're going to bring our offering forward. We're going to put it here in, in, in buckets in the front. And then we just streamline how many ushers we need. One person can come by. Bam, bam, bam. Done. We can give all of our ushers a month of Sabbath. We're not going to have words on the screen. We're going to sing a lot of familiar songs. And uh, we could even do things like uh, putting those songs on Spotify and putting those songs on the website so you guys can go and dial into those and learn those songs. And it's just good to know those songs by heart anyways. Um, So we're not going to have that. And then our visuals person gets a Sabbath. Uh, It's going to be a month where we're renewed in our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. And it's a month we're going to be renewed in our ministry life. Um, we have some amazing ministry crew members. And we say this every year, twice a year, at least during our celebration times. But listen, Antioch rises and falls on the strength and the core of those people. So many of you who give and love and serve so well on a regular basis. And we want to be in this for the long haul. Guys, we want to be in this for the long haul. Uh, if, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, praise God. But if he doesn't come back for a thousand years, we want to have people that are full and rested and people that are engaging the creative power of God and have strength and life to minister to God, one another, and to the world. And that's why we're doing this. And we pray that something deep happens. We prayed this today. By the way, Matt Copper, what an amazing, amazing prayer, that we are resisting the powers and the principalities, particularly in our nation, that want to form us in the image of materialism and self-sufficiency and control. We are resisting those powers. We are no longer slaves to Pharaoh. We are sons and daughters who God delights in us, not because of what we produce, but because we belong to him. So that's what July is going to look like. And guys, I'm really, really excited. Uh, I'll start off our time in the word with this. I had a dream a couple of days ago. And in that dream, which I'm not particularly a, a guy who dreams a lot, and, um, and I'm not particularly a guy who looks back and goes, oh, I, I kind of sense there might be some of the fingerprints of God on that dream. But I woke up, and I had this sense, I think there's something on this. And in that dream, I was, I was in this morning, this Sunday, preaching to this group of people, which is unique because most of the dreams I'm preaching, I'm preaching to some other random group of people. But this was our house. And it was on this particular Sunday. And here's what I explicitly remember saying. I was saying to you, our family, our house, guys, I am never going back. I am never going back to this chaotic, boundaryless, pushing the margins, burned out living life of just do, 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 gaining our identity as a people and as a person around how much work we produce. I remember just saying that to you guys, guys, I am never going back to that. And my prayer for us is that we would never go back to that, that we would learn what it is to live in the cycle of grace 
And so let's, let's talk about that here for a few minutes as, as we conclude our, our little mini three-week series on Sabbath. Go with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 8 through 11 of Exodus chapter 20. Holy Spirit of the living God, we submit our time to you today. And we submit our ears and we submit our minds to the word of God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the sacrament of the word. We thank you that heaven and earth kiss at the preaching and proclamation of your word. We thank you that something supernatural happens, that this is more than just the transmission of good ideas, that there is spirit life that is resting on the word of God. And so, Father, we pray that as this treasure is found in a clay vessel, we pray that the treasure of your anointing and the treasure of your revelation and the treasure of your wisdom and your grace and your voice would flow through this clay pot today and that we would hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to Antioch today on June the 24th, 2018. We pray this by faith in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we've laid a foundation beginning with number one, the idea that the Sabbath is not man's idea. The Sabbath was not something that God created mankind for. The Sabbath is actually something that's found in God himself. We find this in Genesis chapter one and in Genesis chapter two, verses one through two, that on the seventh day, God looked back and he rested from all his work. So he starts the pattern and the foundation of what it means to delight in his work, to delight in himself, to delight in his created order, and also to rest, to reflect, to celebrate, to contemplate. Last week, we talked about the idea of delight. What does it mean to delight in God? What does it mean as a people to experience the delight of the Lord? Earlier this week, I had the great, great privilege of going up the mountain and speaking to several leaders that were at a youth camp for those of you who are not aware, our church, some of the youth of our church joined with Church for All Nations and had a youth camp this week up in Golden Bell in Divide, Colorado. And for those of you youth who went up there, man, I heard that you guys just had an amazing time. Well, on Tuesday morning, I had a great opportunity to talk with some of the leaders, and we talked about Sabbath delight. I just thought, hey, might as well just talk about what it is that God's doing in your life right now. And so I'm talking to all these leaders about how to delight in God. And in the middle of that, I realize I don't really know how to delight in the Lord. And, and as I look back over just 25 years of ardently, fervently pursuing God and about 20 years of vocational ministry, I recognize that there are elements of delight that I've lost, elements of delight. And we talked some about that last week, but here's something that's new. Here's three things just, just for you to be aware of as you learn how to develop a life of delighting in God. Number one, create anticipation. Create anticipation. I told this story, man, when Christian and I were first dating, and even before we were dating, man, I could not wait to see this girl. I would, I would, I would. I would find out what some of her rhythms were on campus. And I would just, you know, accidentally happen to be on the path between, you know, the classrooms and the missions office. And, oh, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, my God, it's good to see you. 
Man, I remember having Greek tests the next day and we'd stay on the phone till about three or four in the morning. I don't recommend that. But I anticipated seeing this girl. And then I think about how our pre-marriage counselors, Brent and Janice Sharp would tell us, hey man, you guys need to build in a regular rhythm and anticipate a regular rhythm of focusing on your marriage and having a time where you are keeping that love and that romance, that fire, that friendship alive. And, and I thought to myself, Brent, you ain't got to tell me that, man. I anticipate seeing this girl every morning. And that was, you know, before kids. And that was before twins. And then what became, what was anticipation and delight turned into, what do you want to eat tonight? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Do you just make a decision? What do you not want to eat? What movie do you want to go to? What movie do you want to go to? I don't care. I just, we're just, let's just fall asleep in the movie theater. We had an anticipation at one point. And so we're learning how to recultivate an anticipation. And I think we can do that in God. When's the last time you anticipated an encounter with God? When's the last time you anticipated meeting afresh with him in his word? Like going to this and, and knowing I'm going to meet deeply with the God of the universe and he's going to speak to me and revelation is going to explode in my heart and there's going to be an encounter that I have. Cultivate anticipation. Number two, cultivate the moment. We talked about some of that last week. Cultivate the moment. That's how you learn to delight. Slow down and cultivate the moment. And then number three, cultivate reflection. This is that, this is that discipline of having those moments where you look back and go, hey, remember when? Man, you remember when? And I love that with my kids. I love that especially with my four-year-old Kingston in particular because he'll do the remember wins when they happen like five minutes ago. <laughs> Daddy, you remember when we went to the movie? I said, yeah, son, we just walked out of the room, man. Of course I remember when. He goes, that was awesome. <laughs> Daddy, you remember when we had that ice cream for dessert? Yeah, son, I'm still working on it. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> It was so good. <laughs> but I think, I think in God, we need to learn how to cultivate the remember wins. And I, and I feel like the Lord is saying to you, if we could slow down, that he has some remember wins. Man, you remember when you used to worship me and you wouldn't think about what the people around you thought? Man, you remember when used to spend time in my word and it wasn't just to check something off of a list or finish a devotional, but you remember when you would just go and, and spend unhurried time with me in your word, not to, not to fulfill an obligation because you just loved being with me so much. You remember when? And the Lord says, man, that was, that was awesome. We cultivate delight by cultivating an anticipation by cultivating the moment and by cultivating reflection. All right, so today I just wanna give you some just nuggets. These are all just Sabbath nuggets. Number one, Sabbath is a gift. We've talked about that many, many times. But we need to remember that Sabbath is also a command. 
I like the idea that Sabbath is a gift. There's something that really resonates within me. And probably like most of you, I don't like the idea of hearing that anything is a command. (laughs) But the gift is a command. And the command is a gift. It's like, (laughs) I was at at a soccer game last night taking a walk with Milan and Israel. And I saw this dad that had this huge, this this shirt and in capital letters, it said naps. And as I was like, I was like, I'm kind of doing these numbers. What does that say? And it says naps. I am so sorry. I did not appreciate you as a child. (laughs) That's the truth. Sabbath is like the command when you were a kid or as parents of little ones where you say, it's nap time. There's no negotiation. There's no question about this. This is good for you. This is good. This is better for me. (laughs) Sabbath is like saying bedtime is at eight o'clock and we're going to be firm on that. And with all the negotiation, with all the excitement of things that are going on, it's, hey, listen, I'm seeing something that's beyond your excitement in this moment. And that's what happens. We, we're excited about the momentum of the Lord. We're excited about the productivity that we're experiencing. Or maybe some of us don't even feel that excitement. We're just, we're just in the grind. We feel like we, we have to keep, keep our nose down into the grind. And it's the Lord saying, hey, it's bedtime. It's bedtime. And we resist. But the Lord says, I know it's bedtime. <laughs> We resist that, but the command is a gift. And I think we need to remember that. This is not optional. This is not arbitrary. Many of you may have heard the story, but after the French Revolution, in an act of resistance to the Roman Catholic Church, there were laws that were set in place in France to change the Gregorian calendar from a seven-day work week to a 10-day work week. Can you imagine that? And after time, what happened is, is after people started getting sick and dying, they started looking back going, maybe this wasn't a good idea after all. You can't can't tinker with God's design and you you can't manipulate and change his order of things and expect to get the same fruit of life that he promises. Six days you shall work. On the seventh day, you shall rest. All right, point number two, and this is very liberating for me. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter five. Deuteronomy chapter five. For those of you who are not aware of the scripture, oh, we didn't even read the scripture. (laughs) Okay, let's read the scripture. Exodus chapter 20. (laughs) Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Notice it doesn't say by making it holy. Because we can't make time and we can't make things holy. And of all the things that God created in Genesis 1 and 2, the only thing that he said was holy was that time, that day. Of all the created order, even mankind himself, the only thing that he deemed holy was that day of rest. And so the command is keep the Sabbath and keep it holy for, the implication is it is holy. It is not by keeping it that we make it holy. It is holy and 
we keep it and recognize it as holy. Verse nine, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son, your daughter, manservant, maidservant, nor animals, nor alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed it. There is a blessing for you. And there is a blessing for me. There is a blessing for our house as we enter in to the cycles of grace and the rhythms of rest that are God's designed. All right, point number two, the Sabbath takes time. Let me, let me explain this. For those of you who have listened to the podcast resource that we sent out, and if it's not been sent out yet, we're gonna be sending it out this week. It's a podcast by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. And in our life groups, we're going through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Well, Pete has a podcast called Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And in, the, in the, a previous episode, about four or five weeks ago, the title of it is, is uh, 10 Reasons Why the Sabbath is Core to Leadership. And one of the things he mentioned in his own journey was that he began experimenting, he and his wife, with Sabbath in 1996. And then he made this statement, he says, but I didn't really understand and enter into the rhythms of Sabbath and I didn't really get it until 2003. That's seven years later. And that was so liberating for me because we are on a journey. And so I wanna, I wanna take any undue pressure off of any of us individually or in our family or even as a church, let's just take the pressure off. For 40 years, I want you to think about this, for 40 years, the children of Israel walked and wandered through the wilderness, through the desert. 400 years prior to that, they were slaves in Egypt to a wicked ruler named Pharaoh. They were commanded to make bricks out of straw, and then they were commanded to make bricks with no straw. And so it took God at least 40 years to work out of their psyche, to work out of their soul, to work out of, of their, their habits, their mind. You are no longer a slave. 40 years of every week, stop. Stop working, stop producing. Stop your activity, delight in me, come close to me, reflect on me, let's look back, let's look forward, let's anticipate, let's cultivate delight, let's experience one another, let's rest, experience rest in your soul, in your body, in your mind, 40 years. On, on the precipice of the people of Israel entering into the promised land, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter five. Deuteronomy chapter five, the entire book of Deuteronomy is, is a book of looking back over their journey as well as preparation for their future journey as a people to move into the promised land. So in Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses is, is walking the people through the law yet once again. And here is what I think is interesting because it's different than the original command that he gives at Sinai in Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy 5, and we'll look at verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. 
Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Remember, Sabbath is not just taking a break. It's not just vacating. It's not just vacation. It's not escapism. It is a Sabbath. It is, a, it is an act of worship and surrender unto the Lord. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither, neither you, your son, your daughter, manservant, maidservant, ox, donkey, animals, alien within your gate, manservant, maidservant. Verse 15, remember, look at this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, because you've experienced life under the tyranny and the bondage. Some of us are there right now. We are experiencing life under the tyranny and the bondage of of more, 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 more. The powers and the principalities of, of this world. Some of us are there right now and God says, you need to remember that at one point you were slaves, but no longer because I delivered you. And as a result, now honor me and enter into this gift that I'm giving to you called Sabbath rest. And it takes time. So just practically, don't allow this gift to become something that now is a new form of bondage, okay? And, and I, just, I just know how human minds work and how the enemy works and, and before you know it, you're just not resting because you're questioning and second-guessing every single thing you do. Friday morning, I woke up. Christy was downstairs, and uh, I was getting ready for the day. And I looked at the bed, and I went, to make or not to make? <laughs> but then I just thought to myself, I said, you know what? I really take delight in a, in a bed that's made up. And so I made my bed. And that's okay on the Sabbath. Because I just, delight, I, you know what? But I, here's, here's what, de, I just, I was praising God as I was making my bed. I was taking joy. I was thinking, man, tonight I'm gonna come home after a full day and I'm gonna come home and my bed's gonna be made and I'm just so happy right now. Sabbath delight in making my bed. And don't get weird about this, you guys. Hey, number three, look at this right here. This is an amazing verse, Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Look with me at verse 12. This is Moses unpacking some of the details of the law and the commandments. Verse 12 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. For this will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Do you know what Sabbath is? Sabbath is a covenant sign. And look what it says right here. So that the generations to come. Sabbath is generational in nature. Sabbath is an inheritance that we give to our children. I'm thinking about how are we forming our kids? What is the orientation of our hearts? And listen, as a dad, like probably like most dads in this room, it is very important to me that my kids know how to work and that they honor work and that they work well and that they're diligent and they're excellent in their work. 
But like I said a couple of weeks ago, I think in this culture and in this hour, the onslaught of pressure to be producers and performers and to to garner our value and our identity from that, we have to resist that. I know that in the, in the normal yoke of life, our kids are gonna learn how to work. I need to set an example for them. And here's the thing. If moms and dads do not set the example for sons and daughters to honor the Lord in Sabbath, they will not get it. They will not get it. It is a generational inheritance. And it is a sign of the covenantal relationship that God has built between man and himself. Number four, Sabbath helps us recognize and embrace seasons of life. Seasons of life. No matter what your orientation is, if maybe some of us here are a little bit more oriented towards exploring and honoring some of the Jewish seasons of life, some of us here in the room are more oriented to exploring and understanding and honoring the church historical rhythms. So many of you who have been with us the past few years know that now the last Sunday of November going into January, we have a season of Advent. It is now a regular rhythm. It's a season of Antioch Church, which is connected to the church global and historical, where we say this is a season where we focus on two things. We focus, we reflect on the Christ who came, and we also reflect on the Christ who will come. That is a rhythm. And I want you to think, 50 years, 100 years, children growing up from a young age on a very regular basis, just resisting the temptation to turn December into me and and what I get and and what are we going to do and what great food are we going to eat? No, on a yearly basis, at least, we're going to create a rhythm where we cultivate our anticipation of Christ's return. We're going to cultivate an awareness that Christ is coming. We're going to remember the longing of the people of Israel that were longing for the fulfillment of the promise in the Messiah Christ. And we're going to remember that God was faithful to them. And as he was faithful to them in the first advent, he is going to come in the second advent. And over time, that puts a stability and a peace inside of us. Over time, that orients our hearts to to longing for his arrival. And then we have the season of time that is a preparation for the cross. 40 days leading up to Palm Sunday, it is a time of reflecting deeply, both on our sinfulness and our humanity, reflecting deeply on the need for Christ to come, reflecting deeply on the fact that God has sent his Savior. Then we have the season of Pentecost. See, there's there's seasons and rhythms that we are participating in as a church. And like Christy said, there, there's a lot of things that are happening here at Antioch Church from the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray and the seasons that we recognize that, that casually we may not realize what's going on. And even as she said, as different speakers that are coming up here and they're ministering from, from their redemptive gift, now that we recognize these things, we can participate in them. Sabbath 
is hardwired into the structure of our time to help cultivate an awareness of seasons because God operates in seasons. Naturally and practically, he operates in seasons. Summer, fall, winter, spring. Metaphorically, figuratively, in life, God operates in seasons. And I think that's something difficult for some of us And I'll just use myself as an example. My previous orientation in the charismatic word of faith was every season was reaping season, right? Or every season was sowing so that I could quickly reap. Or every season is a season of victory. Or every season is a season on the mountaintop. Or every, but that's not reality of life in God. There are seasons of death where things in us die. There are seasons of sadness. There are seasons of lament. There are seasons of mourning. There are seasons of experiencing great joy in God. This is life. And Sabbath helps us recognize that life consists of cycles and seasons. Look at me at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Scripture says that there is a time for everything. And there is a season for every activity under the sun. What the enemy likes to do and what the culture likes to do and even what internally we feel this pressure, we feel the pressure to operate outside of our season. And if we're, if we're trying to create and produce life in the season where things need to go dormant, we're gonna experience a crisis of faith. We're gonna experience frustration. We may experience even a falling away from the faith just because, just because simply we're not able to recognize the season that we are in. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine a few weeks ago And we were talking about balancing life and family and marriage and ministry and work and just just the rhythms of life. And he said something to me that is just, it actually became a prophetic word. This man didn't even realize that he was doing this. But he said, you know, Jade, as I look back over my life in ministry and family, he said, I recognize that there were times where my children needed more of me. And I needed to make adjustments to where I was able to create that space for them to have more of me. There was time where my wife needed more of me. And then he said, then there were times where God needed more of me. And I've never thought about my time or my life. I've never, I've never thought about this. That there are actually seasons of my life where God needs more of Jay Duncan. Where the regular rhythm of whatever, whatever my rhythm in God is, that it's just, it's just not enough that he needs more, and it's not something that I have to work into, it's just he needs more of my availability. There's a deeper work that's at play that he's wanting to work inside of me. And some of you are at this place, I know that for me right now, that is where I am at in this season. God is asking for more of me. And so now I have to take inventory, and I have to look at all of my commitments and say, Yes, Lord, I I will adjust so that you can joyfully have more of me. And here's what I told Chrissy just just Friday. I said, 
babe, I, I feel so strongly, and I don't know how long this season's gonna be, a month, six months, a year, I have no idea, but here's what I know. If I will be faithful to this season where God is asking and requiring more of me, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out as a different man. I, I will emerge from that time. I will be a different man. And so I'm, I'm leaning into that, and I'm, I'm praying into that. So Sabbath helps us to recognize seasons of life. The next point is Sabbath also helps us to recognize our limits. Sabbath helps us to identify and recognize our limits. And I was chewing on this because I think as, you know, as Americans, number one, I think the generation that we live in, generationally, technologically, number two, I think for some of us, depending on our tradition of faith, limits were always meant to be broken. I mean, you throw a limit at me, and no limits. I mean, like, it's just this no boundaries. Like, yeah, let's just break limits. Like, that's what we do, man. We're limit breakers. We just crush limits. No, listen, like, there are some limits that cannot be broken. Some of us have physical limitations, emotional limitations, mental limitations. We all have the limitation of time. And that's the temptation. We're going to break the limit of time by dishonoring Sabbath, by breaking Sabbath. Listen, there are some limits that God has instituted into the world. Now, there are some limits that need to be broken. I, I, I say yes to that. But there are some limits that God is saying, this is a gift. Dr. Green talked about this just four weeks ago where Paul said, there, there was a thorn in my flesh. It was a limitation that was given to him by God himself. It's a limitation. Do you realize how crass and arrogant Paul could have been? I mean, this guy was a genius, and he had the work ethic, and he had the internal orientation towards, a, a, towards perfectionism. I mean, he had everything going for him, and yet there was a limitation imposed on him by God that constantly had Paul crying out for the grace and the mercy of God. Your limitation is a gift to you. The older that we get, those limitations will increase. And if we do not learn how to embrace the right limitations in our 20s and our 30s, we're gonna have a hard time in our 60s and our 70s. We are gonna have a hard time and Sabbath helps us embrace the right limits. Jonathan, if you would come on up here, I just got one last thought I wanna share with you guys out of Colossians 2, and we're gonna come and we're gonna, we're gonna honor the Lord and we're gonna encounter the Spirit at his table. Colossians chapter two, beginning in verse eight, I, I felt like this was important really for any family of people Whenever we talk about things like fasting, which we do on a, on a regular basis, whenever we talk about things like Sabbath, we need to remember that this is done by the freedom that comes in Christ. Yes, it is a command. Yes, it is a gift. And when my heart is submitted and surrendered to him, there is freedom. 
Colossians chapter two, verse eight. See to it then that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Great, great, great theological stuff in nine verses, verses nine through 12, but jump down to verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive. Somebody say, I'm alive. He forgave us all of our sins, canceled the written code with all of its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it all to the cross. I love this. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Verse 16, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of Sabbath as well as the prophetic picture of what our future will be. So what does that mean? It means unlike some traditions, it doesn't have to be on a Saturday. It means like, unlike some traditions, it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. It means that there is liberty here to honor the principle. And there is liberty here to not walk around like the Pharisees were doing and going, Aaron, I saw you wash a dish. (laughs) There's liberty. And so we have freedom to obey the command and to receive the gift and to do it in a way that we learn. We're learning. We're learning, guys. And we're going to preach on this every year. And we're going to have a church Sabbath every year. And we're going to learn how to honor the Sabbath every week. And we're going to do it in a spirit of life, liberty, freedom, joy, and grace. And we're going to grow. And I promise you, I promise you, we're going to get better and we're going to be happier, and we're going to be a sign and a wonder to the world. We're going to be a sign and a wonder to the world. Because remember, Sabbath is a sign of his covenant faithfulness. How do you live with such peace in the midst of the storm? Let me tell you, let me tell you, not, let me tell you, not about my methodology. Let me tell you about the Sabbath rest that I've experienced in Christ. Guys, can we stand to our feet this morning? As we come to this table, we've done this now the past three weeks. Particularly, we've done the table for many years. We've come to the table, particularly the past three weeks, with an orientation of celebration. And I want us to come to the table today with an orientation of celebration and of expectation, anticipation. We come to the table in a spirit of anticipation. I am praying for your July. Rest, grace, restoration, renewal, joy, fresh encounters, fresh revelation, fresh love, fresh life. I'm praying that new relationships be built. I'm praying that old relationships be restored, reconciled. I'm praying that current relationships be rekindled and go to a new level. We come to the table today in a spirit of anticipation.
For Christ, the Son of God came. He lived his life without sin. The ultimate sign, the ultimate wonder. He came and he took upon himself, as we just read, all of the written regulation. He died, defeating the powers and the principalities of the enemy. He rose again and he invites us to experience new life, which his yoke is easy and his burden is light in him. Would you just stretch forth your hands? Father, today we pray for the ministry and the activity and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be upon us. Lord, that you would help us to reconcile that this is more than just a memorial. This is an amnesis. This is a a pulling forward the past into the now as we orient our heart into an anticipation of what is to come. Father, we pray today for an encounter. I pray for healing. I pray for salvation. I pray for uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I pray for relationships to be reconciled. Lord, as we come to the table of Christ, as we receive deeply of you, I pray that we would encounter you afresh and anew. I pray that our hearts would be reoriented. I pray that our spirits would be recentered on you. And I pray that you would make all things new in us, in this people. I invite you to come to the table of the Lord today. Starting from the